From the Annals of Thoracic Surgery and the Society of Thoracic Surgeons, welcome to Beyond the Abstract, part of the Society of Thoracic Surgeons Surgical Hot Topics series. I'm Tom Varghese, a thoracic surgeon and deputy editor of Digital Media and Digital Scholarship for the Annals. This is a podcast all about the why behind the articles and the issues in cardiothoracic surgery and healthcare, and what are the planned next steps from authors and thought leaders in the field. We're glad that you are here. If you enjoy our program, please rate our podcast on iTunes or Google Play or wherever you downloaded this podcast. Your feedback is appreciated. Please remember, the opinions expressed in this podcast are that of the individuals and not necessarily of SDS. Ethical considerations in the practice of cardiothoracic surgery has been a core component in the delivery of best care for all patients. Issues such as informed consent, conflict of interest, public reporting of outcomes, and professional self-regulation have increasingly attracted the attention of patients, providers, public health officials, and policymakers. The COVID-19 pandemic poses an extraordinary threat to global public health and socioeconomic stability with significant implications for patients and healthcare systems. In today's episode of Beyond the Abstract, we speak with an extraordinary thought leader, Dr. Robert Sade, Professor of Surgery at Medical University of South Carolina, Director of the Institute of Human Values in Healthcare at MUSC, and Director of the Clinical Research Ethics Program. He currently chairs the Cardiothoracic Ethics Forum of the American Association for Thoracic Surgery and the Society of Thoracic Surgeons, and also serves as an associate editor for the Annals of Thoracic Surgery. In today's Beyond the Abstract podcast, we connect with Dr. Sade for both a reflection on his career and about thoughts about his recent article, Cardiothoracic Surgeons in Pandemics, Ethical Considerations. Join us as we go Beyond the Abstract. Dr. Said, uh, thank you for joining us today. Oh, it's entirely my pleasure. Perfect. Well, um, you know, what I'd like to do is start first on how you got involved in this field. Um, you know, you're easily considered one of our leading lights in the world of ethics. Uh, can you describe to our listeners, uh, from a career perspective, how you got involved in uh, on these issues? Sure. Uh, actually, it's a very long story, but I'll give you the short version. Uh, I've always been interested in philosophy and in ethics uh, ever since um, uh, reading philosophical works in high school and taking a lot of courses in college. Uh, and then I started medical school and uh, philosophy and ethics rapidly dropped into the deep background. Uh, then um, uh, during a, after I finished my surgical training, I was doing a year uh, of research uh, in the lab at Children's Hospital Boston. Uh, and um, and had some time. So I uh, wrote an article that, uh, that was published in the New England Journal of Medicine on the right to medical care, which stimulated a lot of interest, uh, a lot of correspondence to the journal, and I started getting invitations to speak and to write articles. And from that point forward, uh, that's now about nearly 50 years ago, um, from that point forward, about 90% of my scholarly output has been in cardiothoracic surgery, uh, medical education, uh, and related topics. And, and about 10% of it, ever since around 1970, uh, has been in the field of, of ethics. Um, so I've been continually uh, maintaining that interest through my throughout my cardiothoracic surgery career. Uh, and 
Uh, and then uh, the thing that, uh, that really changed uh, things for me, uh, as well as for cardiothoracic surgery, was a paper that I presented in 1999 uh, that uh, resulted in a lot of interest uh, in the ethics gap uh, in, uh, in surgery versus medicine. Uh, turns out that surgeons write and talk about, surge, uh, about ethics a whole lot less than interns do. Uh, why is that? So I investigated that, uh, gave a paper on it, and from that we developed the Cardiothoracic Ethics Forum, which is a group of about 20 or 25 uh, surgeons, cardiothoracic surgeons who serve on the uh, AATS Ethics Committee and the STS Ethics Committee, uh, and uh, this group, uh, the forum, produces uh, papers from time to time on policy issues that are accepted by the uh, both by the AATS and the STS. Uh, we have several of those now that uh, have been published and, uh, and are used by both organizations. The most recent of those is a paper that the forum produced. Uh, the first author is Daniel Drake, um, but, uh, but it was uh, produced uh, recently, just within the past couple of months, on the ethics for cardiothoracic surgeons uh, during pandemics. Uh, and, uh, and that's the, uh, the most recent of the, uh, of the works that the forum has done uh, and one that I hope that we can bring some attention to during this podcast. Absolutely, and uh, you know that's that's an incredible story. I mean, um, I mean, there's only a tiny percentage of the world that has ever published in the New England Journal. That's an incredible story that you just described to us. Uh, you know, pivoting now to the actual uh, article and discussion. Um, you, you know, you as you correctly uh, alluded to at the beginning of this conversation, you say that. Uh, you know, in order to be ethical, it, it really defines how who we are individually and how uh, we behave in society. Um, in essence, the norms of behavior that everyone should follow. Um, and as CT surgeons, uh, we must be willing to place the interests of others before ourselves. But how exactly has this concept been difficult to do during the current pandemic? Well, I think it's important to uh, to uh, understand what we mean by self-interest. Uh, yes, we try to, uh, we do place the interests of uh, patients ahead of our own self-interest, but the self-interest we're referring to here is narrow self-interest uh, in the sense of uh, financial profit, uh, 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 getting things from patients uh, that we keep for ourselves uh, rather than for the benefit of the patient. Uh, you know, those are things we shouldn't do, but that doesn't mean that we don't have self-interest. We, we do. Uh, we have to maintain especially a central interest in maintaining our uh, character as far as the demands of medical ethics affect us. Uh, and, uh, and that means that we have to uh, stay healthy. We have to make decisions that are uh, that are the right decisions as compared with wrong decisions uh, when, we're, uh, when we have a difficult choice to make. Uh, and, uh, and those are all personal and they really are very important for us as persons. So in that sense, we do have a lot of self-interest uh, uh, that, uh, that we need to pay a great deal of attention to. During pandemics, uh, this becomes, can become problematic 
because there are there are times when we have to take care of patients because our professional uh, commitment demands that we do uh, at some risk to ourselves. Uh, it's interesting that in the uh, medieval time during the uh, the Black Plague, uh, many physicians fled the cities in order to protect themselves uh, against uh, getting the plague, uh, which of course uh, is uh, is something that everybody would want to do. But in doing so, they left their patients behind. Uh, we can't really do that. Uh, we we have an obligation as professionals to take care of our patients, even at some risk to ourselves. That doesn't mean that we have to accept all risks. We have to be careful to balance the risk to ourselves uh, against the uh, the loss of our obligation to patients. Uh, if we become sick and incapacitated or even die, uh, that doesn't help our patients very much. Uh, so we have to be very careful about remaining healthy. Uh, the biggest problem, especially during pandemics as opposed to epidemics, is that we run the risk of running out of resources, such as especially PPEs, personal protective equipment. Uh, when we don't have enough masks, uh, when we don't have enough uh, uh, soap, when we don't have uh, enough materials to keep ourselves uh, from becoming infected, uh, we are taking risks that go beyond what's necessary. Well, how do we balance those risks? How do we know when it's too much risk? Uh, that's a difficult balance to strike. When, but that only becomes a problem when there are not enough PPEs to supply everyone with the protection they need. Uh, so far, that hasn't happened very much in the United States. I think one of the reasons that we're so concerned about this particular pandemic uh, is because of what happened in Italy when the uh, intensive care units, especially in Northern Italy, were uh, inundated with patients uh, who became uh, very sick, required, many of them requiring intensive care, and they just flat ran out of space and ran out of equipment, ran out of resources. Uh, that led to some very difficult decisions having to be made. Uh, and one of those decisions was how much risk a surgeon should take upon himself. So, yeah, I think that, that pandemics uh, do present special difficulties when it comes to self-interest versus the interests of patients. The interests of patients do come first, but they don't overwhelm all other obligations, especially obligations to ourselves and to our family. That's where the difficulty is in massive pandemics such as this one. Yeah, no, that's a fantastic point. And uh, for the listeners, uh, we're joined today by Dr. Robert Sade, who uh, is a senior author on this article that just got published uh, online for the Annals of Thoracic Surgery entitled Cardiothoracic Surgeons and Pandemics uh, Ethical Consideration. Um, and uh, as Dr. Sade has already alluded to, the article really goes through in phenomenal fashion uh, a systematic review on the reasons why CT surgeons are of value during a pandemic, an extended discussion on the ethical concerns with regards to limited resource allocation and then the application of ethical principles before um, some uh, rounding it out with some uh, phenomenal summary statements. Uh, Dr. Said, uh, I mean, you kind of alluded to that there are some similarities 
to prior pandemics uh, that you're seeing right now. Are, are there any unique aspects of the current pandemic that is different from what we've experienced before? Uh, yeah, I think that there is one particular thing that distinguishes this one from others and that's made it so different and so difficult for us to, uh, to manage uh, in terms of, uh, of closures of businesses, the economic uh, catastrophe, essentially, that's, uh, that has struck many individuals and many businesses. Um, and that is the, uh, uh, the very high transmission rate of the uh, of the of this particular coronavirus, um, the transmission rate is such that uh, that a lot of people become ill at the same time, uh, and that the risk of that is that it can overwhelm the available resources, especially in communities that don't have a large hospital, uh, and even in places that do have large hospitals, such as northern Italy, that was overwhelmed. Uh, when uh, when they were struck by the coronavirus uh, activity uh, several months ago, uh, so uh, so I, I do think that this pandemic is different, and the the fact that it can be so easily transmitted and transmitted not just by people who are sick, but by the roughly one third of people who are infected who never develop symptoms, those people nevertheless remain infective. And uh, and so the virus, because of its uh, easy transmissibility, uh, has produced a, a very large number of sick people all at the same time. Uh, that's why we we talk, we talk about flattening the curve, about doing things such as uh, social distancing, such as closure of businesses in which people come into close contact, uh, closure of all sports activities. You know, all of those are meant to reduce the, not necessarily to reduce the number of people who become infected, but to reduce the number of people who become infected all at once, which would threaten to overwhelm the resources available. So I think that's the big difference between this pandemic and previous ones. That's an amazing perspective. Dr. Said, any final thoughts for our listeners or things that you're thinking about in terms of the path forward, in terms of challenges to ethical principles as we navigate this new world? Yeah, I think the real challenges, the triage challenges, when there aren't enough resources, uh, the difficulties in deciding who gets to use the uh, last available ventilator, you know, those kind of decisions, I, I think that they're pretty much past us. And, and what we have now uh, or what we're about to enter is a period in which the usual uh, 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 aspects of uh, medical ethics, of surgical ethics, uh, come into play, things that we deal with every day uh, and, uh, and are not particularly special. So I don't think that we have any special challenges ahead. I do think that there's reason to uh, be somewhat optimistic about where all of this is headed. Uh, there can be some good that comes out of uh, a pandemic of this kind. Uh, and I can make an analogy to something that happened in my hometown, which is Charleston, South Carolina, uh, 30 years ago when Hurricane Hugo in 1989 came roaring through at a, uh, at a category four to five level and, and nearly leveled the city. Uh, it, of course, the hurricane only lasted for a few hours, but the damage that it produced lasted for many weeks, months, and even years afterwards. 
the, the effect that it had that was a little surprising to me, uh, although in retrospect it, may, it should not be so surprising, is that it brought communities together in a way that, uh, uh, in a way that we hadn't experienced before. People supporting each other, exchanging stories about what happened and how it happened and, and why it happened. Um, the uh, there's a the title of a uh, uh, of a uh, of the title page of a magazine Reason magazine that just came out this month. I think uh, says it nicely. The the title of it is Alone Together in the Pandemic. We have been alone. We've been isolated homes, uh, and yet because of that, there's a certain amount of togetherness that comes from that. And I think that that will do nothing but improve our sense of community, our sense of support for each other uh, when, uh, when this uh, terrible time has passed and we can look back and uh, talk about what it did and what to look forward to in the future, how to handle such events in the future, do better planning than we did for this one. Uh, and all of that, I think, is very much to our benefit. That's that's beautiful. I, I love the way that alone together. That's, that's an amazing title. But uh, anyway, Dr. Say, you know, it's it's always a privilege uh, to be able to connect with you, and we always learn a ton. Uh, and thank you for taking the opportunity to join us today on Beyond the Abstract. Hey, thanks for inviting me, Tom. This has been really nice. Thank you. Join us next time as we continue to explore and debate issues beyond the abstract, part of the Surgical Hot Topic series. You can connect with the Annals of Thoracic Surgery online at annalsthoracicsurgery.org or on Twitter at Annals Thor Surge.